This podcast is a project of the Mass Cultural Council. We believe in the power of culture, the arts, humanities, and sciences to enrich communities, advance equity, and foster creativity. Arts and culture aren't kind of monochromatic or they're not tied in a box. It's very much about sort of an expression and a way of life. Hi, I'm Anita Walker at the Mass Cultural Council, and welcome to Creative Minds Out Loud. Our guest today is Greg Jenkins. He is the director of the Somerville Arts Council. Welcome to our program. Thank you. Long-standing friend of the Mass Cultural Council, doing sure. amazing things in Somerville, home of, is it more artists per capita yeah. than any place on the planet or something like that, right? Yeah, well, we have a mayor that uh, likes to tout that, and I think, you know, we touted it once, and like a lot of things in media, it just sort of carries on. So who knows? I mean, we've done some census work, but, you know, we are the densest, most densely populated city in New England in terms of population and square miles. So, Well, the arts is definitely right. the flavor, the image, the the culture of Somerville. I know a lot of people, when they go to Somerville, they're expecting a, a creative right. uh, experience. But what we wanted to talk a little bit today about is um, something that a lot of communities are thinking about, asking questions about, and that is immigrant populations moving into the community. How do we bring them into the cultural activities, into the cultural centers, put them into positions of both being programmers and audience members. Right. So, I mean, Somerville, I mean, historically has been an immigrant community and sort of a community to Boston. So, I mean, in terms of the work that we've done or even my predecessor, the work that we continue to do, I mean, it's always sort of centered around because this is sort of an old world immigrant community that's always been sort of a working class community. So some of the programming like the Illuminations Tour that we've done, I think, for almost 20 years, really highlighted sort of an immigrant ethnic traditions related to holidays and light displays and specifically even around the Catholic, you know, church and imagery. So that we've actually done, we've expanded it in the sense of that we went in and interviewed a lot of these families and understand more about their cultural traditions. And so the tour is not just about you know, the lights, it's really about the families and the traditions that they have. We typically always choose maybe one or two sort of immigrant groups that we kind of decide we're going to work with each year, maybe one at this point. So the new Nepali community. So we'll go in and just and basically sort of get to know either through the business community or through, you know, places of worship or just through people that we know in terms of doing, you know, field work. I mean, one of the things is, is that I'm actually a folklorist like your colleague, you know, Maggie. Maggie. And so I think the praxis of it, sort of identifying, you know, who's in the community and then the praxis, obviously, of reaching out to that community and forming partnerships. And we could kind of go on and on. But the crux of it is, is that, you know, that work is about identifying where some of the energy is in the community, where some of the history and the cultural, you know, makeup of the community is. So let's take that apart a little right. bit, because we do have a lot of communities we have, whether they were in our cultural district cohort or mm -hmm. communities with local cultural councils, like some of the large council. There's a desire, there's an interest, there's a recognition that this is mm -hmm. a good thing that we want to do. But I don't even know what my first step is. Right. I don't know how to start. I don't know how to enter a world that I'm unfamiliar with yep. and I don't know where it exists in order to build those relationships. Right. right. I mean, I used to always joke that when I was younger that, you know, you can find out a lot of things in a phone book. People don't really use phone books anymore, but I mean, Google, obviously, or search engines sort of, again, 
that's one way of just sort of looking at the demographics, census data, you know, to start, if I came into a new community, I would be looking at sort of high level, personally high level kind of meta, metadata to see who's in your community. And then from there, you know, places of worship, uh, local businesses, a lot of our work, I mean, really derives out of literally going into a Nepalese store and starting to talk to business owners or, you know, going into a Brazilian uh, meat market and talking to people. Um, I mean, so Somerville, I mean, we've done in Union Square the work that, you know, that the MCC's funded for the Adams Grant and all of work in Union Square. I mean, we really highlighted and started to brand Union Square as sort of a, you know, a cultural food mecca. And it's because all of those businesses and restaurants and, you know, a lot of new immigrant communities are in that area. It's asset assessment, mapping asset mapping, and just sort of seeing that. But then really going out and talking to people one-on-one -on -one and finding out what, you know, what they're interested in. For the Nepali community, I mean, it's kind of spread out. It's it's a little underground. It's not as, you know, above ground as a lot of different communities are. It's really sort of finding a couple of people that have sort of um, an engagement that, you know, you may hit or miss, but then say to them, you know, if we were to produce something together, if we would co-produce something, or if we could help you to demonstrate to the larger community who you are uh, as a cultural community, who you are as artists, that very phrase or that very sort of praxis starts off a much longer, you know, set of field work, a lot of conversations. So I think it's about that. I mean, I think on the crux of it, it really is just about sort of asset mapping, doing field work, I would say field work in a folkloristic sense, being open to starting out something small and not necessarily knowing where it may go. Uh, I think Give a little an example of that. Well, I mean, it's for the ethnic community, I would think the relationship that we've had with the Nepali community, you know, some of the festivals were really small. They may have been like, you know, 100, 200 people. And we sort of just took the risk that that's fine. I think the inter interesting thing is, is that we do things for like we've helped fund through the LCC program, uh, a language uh, program where they're teaching language to school. And that's very, very small from something that's more broader uh, or larger where it's a street festival and each year it's sort of grown. Let me see another example. It's not necessarily the immigrant community, but it's a similar type of programming situation is Porch Fest, which is a range of people, but it's a similar thing in that we started off very small, probably had 40, 50 people come out to like an initial meeting and each year it's sort of grown. It's changed a little bit. We, you know, adapted. So we haven't, we don't, fix things. I mean, I'm sort of hesitant to like have things fixed because it doesn't allow for new, new information, new things to flow. And I also think that if the goal is about the engagement, how you get there and how you move is not, it doesn't need to be as fixed, if that makes any sense. So again, this is, it's a little bit of more of a philosophy than say something that's specific. So it sounds like there isn't really a cookbook or a recipe. Do this, 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 and then you will have, you know, an ethnic festival. Or It yeah. sounds like it's really, to start with, earning trust through relationship right, building. Right, exactly. I mean, I think it is about the asset mapping and determining who you think is going to work with you. But it's definitely about relationship development. So in terms of something specific, I mean, the one thing that we haven't talked about, too, is sort of um, 
a scaffolding approach. So our Nibble program that does work directly with uh, immigrant entrepreneurs, a lot of those immigrant entrepreneurs, we've actually, we found them, so to speak, or we had developed relationships with them in a different program, which is kind of interesting. So we also have a program called Intercambio, which is essentially like a language exchange program. So say if you you want to learn Spanish and, you know, you as, as, as you know, a English dominant person wanting to learn Spanish and then somebody who's who speaks Spanish that really wants to learn English, we bring people together. So we have this program called Intercambio where it's really around language and kind of cultural exchange and it's very kind of mellow. But from that, we've met a number of people that really have a desire to take their cooking and their own foodway traditions and want to sort of expand upon it. So I'd say probably 60 to 70% of the people that we work with in the Nibble program, which is all around food and culture. And, you know, we do cooking classes, we do pop-ups, we're teaching them all about catering and cooking, and we're getting ready to um, build out a kitchen, believe it or not, in the new Bow Market, and to have sort of like a small restaurant where they'll have rotating chefs. So all of this, to come back to it, is, you know, one little thing may have a seeding effect or a scaffolding effect that we can turn around and work with them, too, on something else. Because, I mean, as you know, sort of arts and culture aren't kind of monochromatic or they're not tied in a box. It's very much about sort of, you know, an expression and a way of life. And then the question is, how does that, you know, emanate or how does it, where does it come from or where does it go? We've always been good at sort of knowing how to scaffold or learning how to sort of create derivations of other things. So it's not, you know, just similarly like, you know, a podcast, you know, you do the recording here and you can use it for this and you could use it for that. And if you change it a little bit, you know, you could turn around and take a similar content and kind of adapt it and have new content. And you don't know where the connections exactly. might lead you. And I think that that's something that we do well. And we do a lot of calls. I mean, we do a lot of partnerships. So when we first started, there was, you know, 2.5 FTE. And, you know, we've gradually, you know, the, the agency has grown. You know, we have like roughly five and a half FTE now. Our budget has gone from, you know, 200000 to almost, you know, three quarters of a million dollars. And there's a lot of other things going on. So. You're going to make some of the other local culture yeah. councils a little bit jealous with that story, but you're really actually demonstrating that there's value in the work that you're doing. Right. The community engagement, the vitality you're bringing to the community that the city is saying, you know, we want to put more into this. Yeah. yeah. And I think, you know, I give a lot of credit to, you know, our current mayor who's been there for quite a long time now, 14 years. I came under a different mayor, so, but the two of us have been together. And I think that, you know, on a progressive progressive city that we are, he's saying we need to do more, you know, our vibrancy, our, you know, our DNA is around, you know, our diversity and the through the arts. And so then it's a matter too of saying, okay, well, what does that mean? How are we going to support this as a city uh, and a municipality? And what are some of the action plans to support that? So between, you know, opening this kitchen, uh, doing, you know, more public artwork, you know, hiring muralists of color and 
or, you know, we just got through with a small mural program. You know, if it works for your community, then it works for your community. And, and you're also sending a message right. by your actions, whether it's the kitchen and the, the outreach and the festivals and the, mm. the language sharing. Mm-hmm. You're saying we celebrate this. Right. Come here to Somerville right. and be a part of it. And people are are comfortable to get involved. They are. And I. The nice thing, too, is that I think that the program is accessible. And you opened up this question with this about, you know, how are you um, both producers of arts as well as consumers of arts or culture? And I think we're constantly being conscious of that because we sometimes worry that, you know, on a consumer side, we're, you know, we're good at sort of the hipster, the cool thing, and those folks can consume things. But then, you know, how much are the producers benefiting as well? And so that's in itself is a whole other conversation that we could have about issues of space and space for artists and, you know, places for artists to have their form, so to speak, and who's consuming that and who, you know, who's benefiting, you know, is the consumer benefiting more than the producer? And And is the producer getting adequately paid and compensated for all the work? So those are, those are, you know, as we know, those are always the sort of difficult things to balance. Well, Greg, you have always been a leader in uh, really in both civic engagement and really harnessing the power of culture uh, in Somerville. It's clearly, uh, it's a community project. It's you, it's your team, it's the leadership in your community, and it's the engagement of everyone else uh, that is translated into Somerville really kind of being the the great example of what can happen in a community. Thank you. Greg Jenkins, another one of our creative minds out loud. Thank you very much. To learn more about this episode and to subscribe, visit creativemindsoutloud.org.